Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's up, Seminole Headlines podcasters? Thanks so much for listening to the program. As always, the podcast brought to you in part by our friends at the Morgan Law Group. Today, no different. Appreciate them enabling us to do this for you. What else they'll do for you is uh, work hard throughout the state to ensure uh, that the insurance companies are doing the right thing and they're not acting in bad faith. Uh, they will they'll get after the insurer if they are. They'll inspect and assess the loss on your behalf. By the way, they are throughout the state just because an insurance company tells you no or there's a certain amount that they're willing to give out doesn't mean that's the end of the story. Find out more. Go to policyadvocate.com. That'd be policyadvocate.com. Or call 888-904-2524. Onward we go with Seminole Headlines. It's time for Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, featuring ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron, Warchant.com's managing editor, Ira Chauffel, and senior writer, Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, pistols, and pies starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. The Seminole Headlines, ESPN Radio begins right now. Feels like it's been weeks Weeks, gentlemen, but it hasn't been weeks. It just feels that way. See what happens? We miss one of these things, and I miss you both terribly. I see Ira. I see Corey. They're with Warchant.com. I'm with 97.9 ESPN Radio, and this hour is brought to you by our good friends at uh, Register Sausage. Yay, sausage! Did y'all have any for the fourth? So, yeah, so I actually, I was kicking myself because I, I, Meant to take some out of the freezer. I've got some in the freezer. I still, I probably still have some Jeff Cameron supply. Still in the yeah. big freezer and uh, just teasing me. And uh, man, I went to, we were grilling out and I was like kicking myself because I forgot to thaw it. I thought briefly about like, you can like microwave fro- defrost stuff, mm. but I was like, I'm not going to do that with the, the register. No, not with so, the good stuff. But then it hit me. Every day's a holiday when you're eating registers. So I could just save that. For another yeah. day. Yep. So so if you nice. guys want to stop by this week or, or so or next weekend, I'll uh, I'll grill up some registers for you guys. Little July seventh cookout. Hey. Little July eighth. Yeah, I got you. Ira lives right around the corner from me. I could be there I, right when we finish the show, Ira. If you take those puppies out of the freezer, let's go. <laughs> let's, let's make it let's, happen. Let's uh, go, buddy. By the way, I also went to the website the other day, registermeets.com, and uh, Ben had told us they were expanding, right? Mostly thanks to, you know, well, thanks to the customers, but also mostly thanks to us. Right. And uh, they have a map where you can see all the locations. And I'm telling you, man, when we started this thing a year or so ago, the map was not nearly as dense as it is now. Dude, this thing, he's got, they're in Winn-Dixie's and Publix's and different grocery stores. 
down in Tampa, all over Tampa. They're infiltrating Tampa, Jacksonville, North Central Florida, all the way over to the Panhandle in Alabama, Georgia. It's uh, it's taking over the world, man. And uh, Ben, we appreciate the business. And if you haven't had your registered sausage, go online and order at registersmeats.com or and they'll ship it to you fresh. Or you can go to any of those stores. I'm telling you that map. If 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 they don't, if you're not, you're one of those locations on that map. You need to move because it, it's <laughs> taking over <Yeah>. the southeast. <laughs> Ira, man, you were feeling the register of sausage today. My hey. man came in. <laughs> it's been a couple weeks. That's a kinda, three and a half minute plug for registers, man. I was, was kind of mad at myself for not having any on, on the fourth. I, I really that was a, everything with cooking went well on the fourth, except for that one major blunder, and it was a big one. Well, that's a big one, yeah. Did you guys survive uh, NIL? Did you guys make it through? You feel pretty good about where the world is? Um, you're nervous? Are you scared? Are you losing sleep? Do you feel anxiety over NIL? Are you laying around, staring at the ceiling, thinking about these sons of bitches, these kids, they're going to get some money? <laughs> this is the worst. I don't know what we're going to do. I just, I haven't had a chance to talk to you guys about it. And I just, I figured that maybe it's something we could work out right here on some of the headlines. Before we get to that, obviously, do you think a player would pay for us to talk about him? Is that allowed? Well, I wouldn't. Similar headlines. Like if, if, yeah. if he was sponsored by, or basically he, we, we spoke for him. We, we, uh, he paid he us. Pays us. He, he pays, pays us. us. I don't, I don't think that's, the, of them. I don't think that's really the spirit of the NIL. But I think the spirit of the NIL is they start making money, not, right. hey, congratulations, you can now pay us money. But don't you think in the long term, like register sausage. I agree. If we speak highly of, say, your profile know, grows, yes. Devontae Love Taylor, his marketability is going to go through the roof, and you got to spend money to make money. That's all I'm saying, Ira. I mean, so I, Corey, you've heard that Corey, before. What I would tell you is that I – I don't know if Ira is, but I'm with you on this. Now, okay. the thing that I would also tell you is let's not go public with that. I was going to say, sure. the, perception, yeah. <laughs> the perception of, hey, these mm -hmm. student athletes have been oppressed for so long that yeah. we're now going to open the door for them to actually make a few dollars. Yeah. And these three, almost 50 and 50-year-old. Not even close yeah. to 50. Vultures, <laughs> Ira. Some people call us vultures. <laughs> Dudes are figuring out a way to get – more money out of them, you know, before they even actually make any money. So, you know, well, that might, the perception may not be great on that. Probably period. shouldn't have said it out loud. This should have I mean. been a production meeting maybe over yep. a few years, yep. but it's out there now. Corey, what I would say is that we should keep our ears to the, uh, to the ground yeah. or whatever the saying is. And really when we find out that a kid made a few hundred bucks, maybe during a Q and a, we pull them off to the side. Hey, listen, this just needs to be between you and me. Yeah. How about you throw a little of that cheese my way, and, may, and maybe <laughs> yeah. and maybe we'll talk about you on Seminole headlines yeah. next and, Tuesday. And you, you won't know? be making just you won't be making just a couple hundred bucks next yeah. month. You'll right. be making a couple thousand bucks. Yeah, that's what we can so, do for you. Yeah, something to think about, guys. Something to think yeah. about. You saw let's, what happened with registers. <laughs> let Jeff, Ira, and Corey make you money by giving us money. Money. <laughs> that's what we do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, spend so, money to make money. That's, that's all it is. That's right. That's the next shirt. Um, so <laughs> Corey, how are those shirts coming? Any day now, any day now. It is funny, like legitimately, I don't know why. When was that thing? A couple years ago, we had the appreciation party and like, you really can just go online and make a thousand shirts. It's not that hard 
uh, a thing to do. And we, we always speak like it's, it's something we got to get the factory working on immediately. We got to go to the factory and talk to the factory manager to see if he's going to have time to print us out 30 t-shirts. We can and just go to, to any website. That, and also to make sure that he's not practicing unfair labor practices. So we got to make oh, sure, sure those people yeah, well, aren't in a sweatshop making our yeah, shirts, right? Yeah, exactly hey, maybe, right. maybe we could uh, entice some student athletes to pay us <laughs> to, 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 for us to make some shirts for ourselves and then talk nicely about them. We need our own logo. We do need our own logo. I'll say that much. We got to have a headlines logo. That's for darn sure. But going back to the NIL, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, it, it hasn't really bothered me that much. I feel bad for the millions of college football players that didn't get to do stuff like this back in the day. But uh, yeah, I, I, it is the wild West. I am interested to see how it, how it, uh, what it looks like a year from now. It's, I don't think I mean, there's the any question. With, oh, sorry, I, go ahead. The deals so far have not been. I'm sorry. The deals so far have not been overly impressive. I mean, there you know you you've heard a few deals here and there, um, but you know, the, uh, you know, it's I don't I don't I I I wonder if a lot of the players went into this thinking, okay, it's going to be life changing money and people are going to be knocking down our door, and I don't think it's been that for many of them. Now there are, you've heard of some big deals but not, not for the most part. And so I think, you know, a lot of it's going to play and a lot of that could die off even now. I think what you may see more of in the season is if somebody has a huge game, somebody throws for 300 yards, throws or runs for 200 yards, three touchdowns, big, like a, a, a sports center type play. You're going to have people reaching out to that guy that night to promote their products on social media. But those, those will probably be just one off. So it's just, you know, so much of it's to be determined. Well, also, like, say the kid, what was the, who was the kid with the, the, the kick six? Chris Davis, was that his name, the Auburn guy? Daniels Dave, Davis, something. Yeah, something. so that play, on, the, on Sunday morning, he could have sold shirts with his, with his name, image, and likeness on it and made a good chunk of money, I'm, I'm sure, or signed autographs of that picture of him making that play and could have made a lot of money. I think that's the stuff that, that can, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, like yeah, Cam and they're one-offs though, and they're, they're one-offs yeah. like you're saying, Ira and Corey. I mean, it's, it's like a maybe he would have made thirty thousand dollars in the next two or three days while the moment was hot, and that's great, good. He gets thirty thousand dollars, that's awesome. But in terms of long-term contracts, where you're going to be an ambassador for a brand, you know, how few people, uh, you know, register with consumers in the college football world. I just don't think there are that many guys that, that are going to be approached for those kinds of deals. It's just not. No, I just don't know how much money there is to be made. Um, I, I I don't begrudge them trying to make it, and I and I hope they do, but I just don't see this being all that lucrative for a lot of these guys. There was one that was announced today that some – did y'all see that about some – I don't know what it is, some sports uh, workout place in South Florida. It's a, that, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Like a, it's like a gym where they teach MMA fighting. Yeah, and all 90 Miami, foot, Miami Hurricanes football players get $6,000 each. I mean that's a one-time thing. They're, they're, you're not going to get your return on your investment from that, are you? From that, that you wouldn't think like the is backup right guard fan? in Miami. I don't know. He's I don't know what. Yeah, the guy, right? the guy, yeah, the guy that the guy that owns the club um, is a yeah UM fan booster, and he's trying to get other boosters to come up with similar deals to reward anybody that plays for the University of Miami. But yeah, I mean from a business standpoint, how successful that's going to be. And, you know, we also don't know if all those kids are going to want to do it because he's going to require, require things of them. I mean, that's the other part of this. that's going to be, you know, again, maybe it's in the weeds. I don't know if people care about this, but how it all plays out over time is going to be interesting because 
what happens if somebody signs somebody to a deal and then the kid's having a bad season and decides I want to shut down social media or I want now, are, are you going to sue? If you're, if you're a restaurant in Tallahassee, are you going to sue an athlete that maybe you paid him up front? Absolutely. <laughs> Get your ass on Twitter. I don't care that you, you, you threw three interceptions. So, so there's a lot of stuff that like that, that, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it, to your question, Jeff, like it doesn't bother me. I understand why some people are bothered by it because they feel like it's, you know, whatever sanctity of college football. But I think most rational people realize, you know, it, even when we thought it was a sanctified sport, it wasn't a sanctified sport. And it hasn't been one for a long time. And when people erect $50 million football only facilities, uh, it tells you all you need to know about how crazy the revenue became in this sport. And that's really when things went south. But you can't do that for prolonged periods of time without eventually paying your workers. Or letting your workers get paid. Yeah. Well, it, on their, on their, you know, you're not, they're still not really essentially paying them, but now right. they're not forbidding Todd Gurley to get autographs off his name and suspending him for four games and making him give the money back like they did. I was going to say though, so don't we think a lot of the money that these kids will make, these players, sorry, these student athletes will make, um, will be off Twitter and social media? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so. and, and this isn't a shot at a former coach, but there are former coaches out there that don't let their players on social media. Right. Does that, that become? Be, I was going to say, does Jimbo anymore. does Jimbo just completely flip that? I, I haven't checked Texas A and M to see what they're doing on the NIL, but better man, he better Alabama, maybe not Alabama because they're their own thing, but Clemson, Texas A and M. I mean, I don't know that you can go into a family's living room and say we're going to do everything we can for him, but we're not going to let him uh, get sponsorships on Twitter because he's not allowed on Twitter. How does that work? It would also appear that some other people have to change their view on all of this. And we didn't get the good news hours after this uh, kicked in that Dabo Sweeney was retiring or well, that he was going to take it to the NFL. It, it didn't happen, guys. It turns out that was a hollow gesture. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe maybe he's, maybe he's bunkered down somewhere, really come writing down pros and cons of staying in college football or retiring. Some, something tells me he doesn't want to give back the $90 million that he just got from Clemson. He's going to go ahead and keep that money and work. But don't you – I mean, Jimbo's got to have like a, a really kind of a – he's got to think about it, right? Like he's never allowed his players uh, – ever since the Wake Forest game in 2011 when the players decided – remember the players? It was a player's That's decision. That's what I was just going to tell you, stay Corey. off social media. That's what I was just going to tell you. He never decided that. I know. Players I always joke. decided It was that. a joke. So uh, – so, uh, but he – I mean, you. I think this changes the way you coach kids and the way you recruit kids. Sure. Like you can't be the hard ass and – What's he going to say? What are any of these coaches going to say? I'm really looking forward to this. When the, they lose a game 39-6 to six, and a coach makes an offhanded comment about, well, at least my guys made money this week. At least they got to tweet their ads this week after practice instead of watching film because that will happen. But these coaches, nope. these, these, these coaches, the old school coaches, they're going to have to change the way they do business. Yeah, but Corey, this is not unlike the general population, of course. We've seen people tell on themselves – Social media, people tell on themselves. And so coaches were telling on themselves long ago with that policy. And, you know, I, I think you'll see student athletes do this as well. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be fascinating. I do think the part about it being wild, wild west is true. There's unintended consequences that are tough to predict from where we sit right now. Uh, there are really great things that are going to happen. I think the good will outweigh the bad. Um, and we'll all learn as we go along. But 
my point was in bringing it up was that, my God, the buildup to this, you would have thought that the sport was going to come to a crashing halt and that we would never have a chance to enjoy college football again. And of course, that's not going to be the case. And I don't imagine we talk about this for all that much longer unless it's breaking news that somebody signs a multi-million dollar deal somewhere. Yeah. And that's where I've, I've kind of been like with our coverage. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not, we're not doing a story every time somebody does something, you know, related to NIL, any, every little deal that somebody comes across with. Now there have been a couple of cool things already The Dylan Gibbons yes, thing. That's an awesome thing is an awesome story. And, and it's ludicrous that he couldn't have done that before Yeah, sure. that he couldn't have used his personal uh, image and likeness to promote this GoFundMe account to get this young man and you know who's who's dealing with you know serious medical issues was a huge Notre Dame fan, but really it's just a huge Dylan Gibbs, Gibbons fan as well. Now he's going to be able to come to the FSU Notre Dame game, and his whole family is going to it's going to be expenses paid by fans of both schools and probably just college football fans in general. And that's something he couldn't have done in the past. So that's you know again that's another sign of where it was just so dumb. Another thing I was thinking about because somebody mentioned this on Twitter. When I was in college, there was a guy, Anthony Ingracia, who played offensive line at Florida, and we had him doing, like, restaurant reviews. Like, you know, he's just a big, big, not to say fat, but a big, heavy offensive line. Yeah, we know. Yeah, we got him. He was, fat. Liked, he was a fat guy, yeah. He liked to eat a lot, and he would do sure. these. He, he, he suggested to us, like, hey, I could do restaurant reviews for the school paper, and he did. He was awesome. He wrote funny. He, he was funny. The whole thing was funny. And then, like, after, I don't know, two or three of them, the NCAA said, oh, that's he's endorsing those restaurants. He can't do that anymore. And it's like, first of all, it was ridiculous. Second of all, now a guy could do that. I mean, I, yeah. I get, you know, a player, an offensive lineman could start doing his own restaurant reviews, and, and that's not hurting anybody. No, and he could get paid a salary for doing it if he wrote for right. the paper or wherever. Yes, that'd be great. Yeah, and these are the kinds of deals that I think do get done. And that's not going to change the sport in any meaningful way. I mean, in the sense of a negative, it doesn't yeah, hurt and, anybody. And the questions about, and Corey made this point in the column he wrote that's up at warchant.com. You can find it there. Um, that it's not like this is going to create cheating. It's uh, all it is, is maybe bubble up some of the money that's already going to from boosters to student athletes under the table. Now, maybe some of those donors like this guy in Miami Maybe I'm not saying he was funneling money to, to recruits. University of Miami would never do that. But if right. somebody like that had been doing it under the table, now they can do it over the table. Yeah, It's not going to create more cheating. It, it may just bring it out into the open. It's not unlike legalizing gambling. I mean, there's, right. it, it actually creates more regulations, and it's all out on the table. We know who's doing what and why. And if there's a number swing that is really drastic – it's usually the books. It's usually Vegas that catches it. It's the reason that the fraud is exposed because they don't want there ever to be this idea that what you're watching isn't on the up and up and people won't gamble. And it, if, we're, yeah. if we're gambling on professional wrestling, what are we doing? Right. And they, and they don't want to get screwed. That's for correct. Sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Seminal headlines. That is some of the radio continues in a moment. Seminal headlines. will take a breather. More next seminal headlines returns now on 97.9 ESPN radio. All right, boys, so we tackled NIL right out the gates. But, Corey, I know that you get excited every time I do this. You do realize, buddy, that we're less than, you know, in truth, less than like a month away from football. Things that matter in football are going to happen. You never yeah. get on board until the first game is played. Your big deal is that you're a curmudgeon until Florida State kicks off and we're actually covering them against Notre Dame 
or whatever their opening game is any given year. Whereas the rest of the college football star of the world, we count down the days until, what is it, Illinois versus Ohio State or UCLA, whatever the hell that game is and on August 28th. Buddy, we're right there. We're, a, we're, a mo- we're literally a month away from the opening of uh, preseason practice, right? Like one month Correct. from now. Uh, and no, Correct. see, now I've been like that in the past, like because we didn't get to watch practice. Well, now, theoretically, I think we'll, we'll be able to watch at least some of these practices. And Lots that makes it a is. lot more exciting. It's, I would get the dog days of August would get me, Jeff. I'd be excited the first week, like, all right, here we go. We got some football content, something to write about. And then by August 20th, you're like, God, we still got two more weeks of this, not seeing anything. Listen to these guys talk at either 7.30 in the morning or 7 at night. This isn't any fun for anyone. But now, uh, Norvell, I, I assume we're going to be able to watch some practice, right, Ira? We'll be able to report yeah. on this QB yeah. competition. Yeah, the, you know, from everything, you know, we haven't gotten an official policy yet. But the way it was supposed to work last year was we were supposed to be able to see everything. But then with COVID, we couldn't. And then in the spring – we got about half the practices. I think of the 15 practices, we got access to like eight or nine of them. But again, that was because of COVID. We were up in the baseball. We had to be up in the baseball box, and there were some conflicts with baseball games being played those days. So we we didn't get out there for every practice. But yeah, my understanding is, my my impression is, we'll be back out there covering practices. And it is, to your point, man, and I, I don't even know if I remembered how different it was until this spring. But once you're out there and you can actually watch practices, it is so different, uh, you know, just the way, you know, just the frame of reference because, and, and and you're just so much more informed. It makes sense, but just, you know, the way it's been here since, you know, Jimbo took over and then with Willie, it, it was just so hard to really understand what you could talk to people in the program and they would tell you things, but without actually being able to see it yourself, it just made it so difficult. So it's, I'm really excited about that. I- I started covering the team when Bobby Bowden was, was at the, you know, at the end of his run there, but was still actually kicking ass. In fact, was on his way to winning another national championship. And I remember in those days, we'd go to practice all the time and you, you could, I, I, it was incredible. I remember I, unfortunately I saw guys get hurt. I saw, you know, and I would go on the air armed with all this knowledge of like, well, you know, I don't know that they're going to be able to depend on so-and-so. He went down yesterday at practice. Like this was an open thing you could talk about. And I'd forgotten about that because it was now more than 20 years ago that that was the case. But you're right. Being back out there at practice and seeing this informs everything we do when trying, when talking about this team. The competition. Somebody's emerging. Somebody's gotten worse. Somebody's having a crisis of confidence. Somebody emerged out of nowhere and he's playing better. His physique has changed. Or is, you know, for whatever reason, maybe has a better grasp of the offense. Or whatever it is, it's exciting because you really have something tangible to, to, to have, you know, to fuels the segments. And we might disagree. You know, we could be there and see something differently, just like people at a game can see things differently. But, man, it just made it so hard to, to even do our job in terms of interviewing the coaches and players because we had nothing. To, we're just going off of what morsels of information they were saying. So, like, to Corey's point, like the second week of camp, a player would say, oh, this player's been doing really well. So now you're like, okay, well, I got to jump on that. And then you start mm-hmm. asking other players about that that guy. Well, what if that first player wasn't exactly, you know, it's just everything was based on word of mouth. And then also, you know, the other sources you talk to. Um, but, it, you know, you're just flying blind. And then when you, at least when the season started, you're like, okay, I can actually see the games and that'll help, you know, shape my opinions. But now we can shape those opinions earlier. So, yeah, man, it's going to be, 
Um, it's going to be good. And, and so I do think that's going to get the excitement going a little bit earlier uh, to not just Corey Clark, but, mm. you know, I would assume the fan base. Yeah, the average fan. Joe, Joe Average. What was that guy called from the election? What was his name? He, he, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember. His name was Joe, something Joe, but I can't remember what he did. Wasn't he a plumber? Plumber, Joe plumber, the plumber. Joe the plumber. Joe the there, plumber. You yeah. there you go. There you go. Nice. I got you, buddy. I'm here for you. No, <laughs> Joe? Uh, uh, Joe the plumber. But yeah, I, I think everybody is excited. I, it's funny. I, I, I took a sneak peek at some of the questions that we get for next hour. And obviously, there are some concerns about the overall talent of this team. Uh, but I am really anxious to see how much progress they made. And in terms of the way they look physically, when we go back out here in the fall, uh, when we go back out here next month, uh, less than a month or exactly a month, whatever it is, because I do think that, you know, again, they they were really hampered a year ago when they had to send everybody away. I've talked about that at nauseum. People are probably tired of hearing me talk about it, but I can't fathom being a football player in a program, trying to better myself, trying to learn what the new coaching staff wants me to do. And I can't even work out with my guys. I don't get to sit and eat with them and talk with them about what we just learned and what we're trying to do. And, uh, and, and moreover, I don't have access to the kind of equipment that they have at Florida state that allows me to get much stronger, much bigger in a, in a much shorter period of time. That killed Florida State last year. It killed a lot of people last year, but it really was bad with this team who had a long way to go physically. So I want to see what kind of gains they've made this offseason. And, I mean, I think the, the, you know, the fundamental problem with that team, with the, the lack of trust between the players and the coaches, was all exacerbated by that. I mean, I just mm-hmm. it was an impossible situation. And, uh, you know, I was looking at the questions that uh, as well. I think it might have been – was, it was in one of the responses on Twitter – where a guy, and you can ask the question next segment or next hour, but he basically said, how can you just throw out last season but still consider them a three-win team? And it's like, man, I'm not saying you throw out last season. Last season happened. Those losses happened, and they're a reflection on where the program is. I'm saying you can't use that to judge this coaching staff. Like, their their chances of success, given that set of circumstances, I mean, they would I mean, it would have to be – I don't know how, how many coaching staffs would, would have – Coaching staffs would have had success given those circumstances. I will say this. It's funny because on the one hand, these aren't excuses. They're reasons. And they're valid reasons that the staff struggled and the team struggled. But the part about the season happening, like you were just talking about, Ira, that sticks with most all of us, I think, and in particular uh, with the defense, with Adam Fuller and the defense. That just looked like the least coordinated group of people I've ever seen doing anything. And that's where I think you're not saying Adam Fuller can't go on to have success. You're not saying Adam Fuller won't be successful. You're you're saying last year gave you pause. Really, it's certainly your antennas have been raised, right? Like we're going to be paying close attention here to see what they look like from a coordination standpoint. Do they play with effort? Do they also play with each? Do they play together? All that stuff. But I'm I'm not. I'm not assuming that they won't just because they were terrible last year because of those weird circumstances they coached under. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Without without question, that the either those guys didn't understand what they were supposed to do, which could be a reflection on coaching, or they didn't buy in because of all of those other circumstances. And then that's but we can't pass judgment on that, I don't think, until we see what happens going the, now. Again, you hope that the players weren't judging Adam Fuller based on last season. You know what I'm saying? Like you would hope that it's not affecting their buy-in and everything we heard in the spring was positive. We saw some good days in the spring. We saw the DBs play well at different times during the spring. So, but that's going to be obvious during practice. It's going to be obvious during games of season, but to that point, uh, 
yeah, man, people are not going to have if, – if Notre Dame comes in and runs the ball the way they did on them last year and Ooh. you've got those, you know, six-foot-wide gaps, you know, to run through, people are going to lose their minds on Adam Fuller based on what happened last year as well. It won't take long. Nor, Corey, should, it. Nor right. should it, though, right? Like, if that happens again, if we see them averaging nine yards a carry or 12 right. yards a carry, that's – now. I get it, last year was last year, but you've now had a full offseason, a real offseason. Um, with a full spring, you should never look like that. There are other teams with worse talent that didn't Notre Dame didn't rush for 12 yards to carry on. Yeah, I mean, there's one thing to be pushed off the line of scrimmage by an yeah. all-NFL offensive line, which is what they had. They looked another like they thing, were playing with eight dudes. It's another thing to not have multiple gaps filled. Literally I mean, camera angles of no Florida State defenders in them. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, and that's you guys remember that? that? You guys remember that oh, game? I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember most of the games appeared that way. <laughs> yeah. It's like you think, well, this will get better. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Or you <laughs> see Tutu Atwell running down the screen. You're like, well, certainly the safety's about to enter the picture right now and Somebody's lay him out. Arrive. No, no. He's high stepping for the last 30 yards. Yeah. And, and, and my first, you know, and, uh, you know, you could complain about the Georgia Tech loss, whatever, but the Miami game. What struck me in the second half of that game or different parts of that game was there were periods on the sideline, doing a little sideline watching, mm. where, Adam oh, Fuller, yeah. where Adam Fuller was taking different approaches with players, either yelling at them or talking calmly or whatever, and it didn't seem like there was any connection between him and the players. Now, at the time, that concerned me, but then I thought, well, you know, as I've looked back How on the How would there be a connection? Yeah. Well, that, exactly. They yeah. hadn't been together all offseason. They just got thrown back together right before the season, and hey, let's go. And and it's a guy who didn't recruit any of those guys. Some of those guys were recruited two staffs ago. So that's where I'm saying it's just it's you can't judge him. But yeah, I mean, we're all gonna yeah, we're all gonna go into it with that in the back of our minds. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely we'll round out the segment here. It's definitely last season created the two fingers to my eyes, two fingers back to you, Adam. That's a, that's what that did. We're like, okay. We're gonna be if, it starts out, if it starts out bad this year, it's going to be one finger directed right at Adam. Seminal Headlines. Eddie Seminal Ideas for Radio continues. Seminal Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminal Headlines returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. I will say something that I'm excited about. We were just kind of touching on all of this last segment. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's just getting older. But I root for people to succeed. I don't want people to fail. Not afraid to point out when they are failing or where they are or where they have failed or to be critical, but we want kids to play well. We want the kids to do well. And we certainly want these coaches to succeed. I think it makes our job easier when that's the case, frankly. Um, you know, every now and then dipping your toe into the negative waters can be fun and you stir the pot a little bit. But for the most part, man, I always found it's better to watch a team play really good brands of football. People tend mm. to tune in a little bit more often and they get excited about what they're watching. And I think that's holds true for us. The reason I say that is I really am rooting for this staff. I, I like these guys. And I don't mean like we go hang out and, you know, have a beer and talk. I mean, like, I, I believe in their central message. I've watched them uh, be very consistent with these players. Uh, if we go almost coach by coach, I tend to have very positive things to say about those coaches. And I feel very bad for most of them uh, professionally, at least as it pertains to the product that was produced a year ago. So I'm rooting for those guys, in addition to rooting for the kids. they got to be chomping at the bit. I mean, that was a nightmare that they just went through. And surely they haven't felt like, whether it's a player or a coach, that they've ever had a chance uh, over the last two years to put their best foot forward. 
Well, we haven't talked since uh, since the crazy recruiting weekend, right? Like we that right, that happened right. after our last show. Like to to get whatever was it five commitments, Ira, all offensive linemen, three of them were four stars, or all linemen, all linemen, line of scrimmage, linemen, yeah, and, defensive linemen, and offensive linemen. Yeah, three of them were four stars. Um, I mean, they have the number three class in the country right now, and I know it's still July, but it's not March. I mean, we're into we're into the recruiting cycle, and they're probably not going to finish third. But they they could finish top ten, top six really easily, and I think Florida State fans should be incredibly encouraged by what this staff did in their first real month, literally, right? Their first real month of recruiting. They yeah, did almost, what they did. Yeah, I mean, it really. So you know, what Jeff was saying about rooting for these coaches. I think a lot of fans are like, yeah, whatever, man. Like, I, if they win, if they're successful, I'll root for them. But if they don't get the job done, I don't care. But what they have done in recruiting has to, you know, give you – there's more skin in the game. I mean, this this staff now, because they've done so well in recruiting, you've got to want them to have success this fall and have the staff stay together because yeah. they are building something in recruiting. And, I mean, you look at – I mean, it's, not, it's impressive, not just the numbers. 15 recruits committed by early July is astounding. That's a big number anyway. But usually when a school does that, they're loading up on like middle level guys. They're taking guys yeah. who will commit and, and they're going to build it that way for them to have as many four and five star, four star guys. And then Travis Hunter's the five star guy. I think Sam McCall safety is a five star on another uh, website, but, but so many guys that four high, a lot of them are high four star guys and a lot of them at line. I mean, it, that's, it's, it's pretty remarkable. And and I think what was so important about that last big surge, to your point, was getting those linemen. Man, you can get skill guys from today till forever. And Jimbo did that really towards the end, the last few classes. And really, FSU did that at the end of Coach Bowden's tenure, too, where you're just loading up on four-star skill guys. There's a million of those guys out there. But to land four-star linemen, it's a big deal, especially on the offensive line. And those kids, they look like they can play. They don't look like – you remember, like, not to disparage old Courtney Abbott or Jeff Bernard or some of those guys. <laughs> Come on, man. But, but those were some dark days. But, but you know, FSU back then signed a couple guys who were like 6'5", 330 pounds, and they committed to Florida State, so that made them perceived to be pretty highly regarded. These guys, when you watch their film, these are football players. Um, it's I think they're doing a really nice job. I mean, well, obviously, they're doing it. For what they came off of last year, it's a, it's astounding what they're doing in recruiting. So so we should always be excited if you get a commit uh, the caliber at least it looks like this so far of AJ Duffy at quarterback quarterback being the most important position. Of course, the excitement and the enthusiasm surrounding Travis Hunter is a very real deal. He could be the best player in the country, and he's committed to Florida State. So that's exciting. But I'm like most of the fans here. I every time I go to Warchant.com and I see that oh great. A, you know, an athlete or a defensive back or a wide receiver like the Mortimer kid or whatever has committed to Florida State. I go, mm, good, good. Doesn't do anything for me. I'm not saying they won't be great players. Right. I just, it doesn't do anything for me. But when I see a Lou Baugh and Octavius Woody and Bishop Thomas and Kayshawn Sapp and those kids, when they started saying yes, to Corey's point, they're all like four or five star guys or the four star guys, defensive tackles, offensive tackles. I thought, okay, here we go. Because you can't do anything with all that talent if you can't block. We saw that over the last umpteenth years. So let's go raise the floor there and give yourself a fighting chance to win some damn football games by having a decent line of scrimmage. Those are huge commitments. And defensive end, 
they haven't been really able to rush the passer with any degree of consistency. We've documented this a million times over. But, man, you've got a real – that Trevion Williams kid is a beast. He's such a yes. good athlete that he plays quarterback and linebacker and everything else. Yeah. This is a guy that can really move, and he fits the bill. So they, they got real guys to be excited about. Well, I think, it, but the, the fact that they have the number three class, uh, yeah, it's good that they got linemen. But just overall, what it says about this this coaching staff and maybe this program to a certain extent that you could bounce back that quickly. But in the column I wrote, I looked it up. Nobody, there's been two classes in the last 10 years that have finished in the top 10 that came off losing seasons. One was Florida in 2013, which the year before they had gone 12 and two. Like Florida State has been mediocre for a while now and are coming mm. off their worst season. Mm-hmm. And yet this coaching staff in their first real year of recruiting shows, okay, we're going to do this mega month and drive everybody into the ground on our staff, but we are going to bust our butts for a whole month and look how it paid off. And it's like, if you're a Florida state fan, you're like, okay, well wait till they get their training wheels off. You know what I mean? Wait till they can just pedal at full speed. Uh, I'm keeping the bike analogy rolling guys. I, sometimes I, I, I go with a car off a cliff. I'm staying with the bike. Tour de France is going on right now, I think. We saw the people holding the sign. I mean, the, the lady held the sign and then caused the crash. So that that was the best, maybe the best moment in Tour de France history. Anyway, I'm off the I'm off the uh, the subject. Rails. Off yeah. the rails. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. But but what what is this staff gonna look like after they've been together recruiting for a full year and come off like an eight-win season or a seven-win well, season, as opposed to a three and six season? I will caution. They have listen. I, I agree, and I think your overriding point is is accurate. But I would say they have an awful lot to give right now. They've got 25, 26 scholarships. So by sheer numbers alone, they're going to have a good class because they're going to bring in a lot of guys. Now they're bringing in quality guys, so that's important. But I also think you you are in a position when you're this bad. The one thing you can sell is how desperately bad we need you to come in and how quickly you can play. Because look at our product. We're not very good. We need you. This gets a little bit more arduous um, when you go into the next year and you can only bring in 15. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and then also you can't just promise, you know, a lot of these guys, I'm not saying they're walking out there and promising people jobs right off the bat, but the kids aren't dumb. They can look at the roster and see who's ahead of them, see who's played a lot and who hasn't. I think they see playing time. I think a lot of these guys realize there's nobody the caliber of me right now. So I can go there and get on the field pretty quickly. It'll, it'll change a little bit though. You have that. Well, you have that window open when you, as a new coaching staff, usually it, it would have happened last year. It right. didn't happen last year because of COVID and everything else. And then you automatically – kids couldn't even go on visits, and then you go three and six. So they never really had that chance to have that – to capitalize on that newness, the roster turnover that creates those opportunities that you're talking about. Um, but, yeah, man, it's impressive. And, and But I do think – going back to the point about the line, and even before Corey took us to the Tour de France, I do think it's important because – and Jimbo used to say this, not that he invented the saying, or, or but he used to say it all the time. It's the difference between football down here – in the SEC and in the ACC, is the guys that put their hand in the dirt. That's the difference between football here versus the Big 12 versus the Pac-12 to some degree. And, and you know, the, the Big 10 has it too. They just don't have the skill. Well, Ira, down here, down here, it's hunting dogs. Hunting dogs. Uh, not out west in the, in the Big 12, it's more show dogs. By the way, this is pretty funny. Uh, this is the first time Norvell's really said anything that reminded me of Jimbo. So I went out there to help on the, the last day of signing day. When uh, the last day of the open period where all the recruits are on campus, they had nine kids leaving their official visits. 
Uh, they had a bunch of unofficial visitors come in. So I went out there to help Michael and Austin with our recruiting coverage. And Corey would have, but he just wasn't in town. But Corey would have. Right. Been he would have been. I wanted. I was. I was heartbroken. So, I, so I'm over there by FSU, and you know we're talking to these recruits as they're coming in, and everything. And Norv, and this is so it's June 27th. It's the last day of the open period, but they've got all these kids on campus for the official visits. And uh, Norvell walks by me. Well, actually, he was like he was he was about 20 feet away, and he goes, he goes, yeah, you can tell the guys that show up on the 27th of the month. You can see you can see who the show ponies are. Oh, your show pony, your show pony. And then I was thinking, you know what? Like he is from Texas, so uh, you, you don't you don't think about it in that way. But he's probably there's probably some uh, probably some of those sh- in there, yeah. show dog, mm-hmm. show pony. You know, pony. I I I don't think you guys are aware of this, but since you brought it up, Ira, um, I, I think I should let everybody know. I actually told Jimbo that the difference between the players down here in the South and everywhere You're, else in the country is the, the, the guys that put their hands in the dirt. We were having that, a conversation. I said, mm. Chimbo, do you ever, you ever think about this, buddy? <laughs> the difference between football in the South and everywhere else where these slap dicks are trying to play football. Yeah. The guys that put their hands in the dirt. And he goes, I like that. I like that. I'm gonna, and I didn't think he was going to steal it. Well, that's but, crazy because I had a conversation literally like the first month he got to Florida state when he was still the OC yeah. I'm like, man, Jimbo. If I were you, I'd start recruiting guys that change numbers on scoreboards. Mm. He, he stole that too. Stole yeah, I changed numbers on scoreboards. I told him about iron sharpening iron, and he, he didn't want any part it. of it. Didn't want any part of it. But he he rode with the changing numbers on the scoreboards. I, well, I, I did. I did give him the idea for the the uh, promissory notes. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't usually take I don't usually take credit for that. But since we're right. gonna, since we're gonna do did that, did you I'll... say? Did you say? Well, I'm kind of curious, Ira. Did you say to him? If your back's really against the wall, and we've got, and it's it's just rampant, you've got problems everywhere. Get him to sign a promissory note, coach. Yeah, they're gonna play Let's get hard. Get their signature. Get their signature on a piece of paper. It's it's a game changer, coach. I do it in my household. Yeah, and sue them if they don't do it. Sue them if they break their promise. Sure enough, he ran with it, and you saw yeah. what it did. It was disastrous. <laughs> We'll wrap up the hour momentarily. Hang with us. Seminal Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminal Headlines returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. All right, real short segment here, fellas, as we get set to get to uh, headliner questions. I don't know about you guys, but just talking about football warms my heart. Talking about football with you two gentlemen warms my heart. Mm. I'm just so excited. I mean that. I'm not being disingenuous. I'm pumped up about football. I, You know, listen, it's been a long year for the Pittsburgh Pirates, save for last night. Um, obviously very successful once they got big, to face the Braves. Big win over the Braves. Big one. Yeah. It was a lopsided affair. Are you guys going to compete? I don't think so. You scored Are 11 you? unanswered runs in that game. I was going to say, you're going to compete? Let's go. And I know how much you love to bring up unanswered. Yeah. And uh, John Nagowski, shout out to him. He, he got mm-hmm. traded from the Cardinals to the Pirates and then started his very first game with the Pirates on uh, on Monday night. Had Went two for three with an 11-pitch walk. Right before a home run. I think he had three hits, didn't he? Oh, he might have. Maybe he did. And he had had an 11-pitch walk. Uh, So really good, really good game for him in the the black and yellow. Yeah, the Pirates, uh, good use of the 50 bucks they gave the Cardinals for for Nagowski to come over. And now, hopefully, he'll he'll be able to turn that, parlay that into some some big money. You know what's cool about that is uh, he was playing for the Cardinals Triple A team, Brady Shanna took Brady to the game when they were playing the Gwinnett Stripers out here where, where Brady lives. And um I told him before the game, I'm like, hey man, look at that first baseman for the Cardinals, that the other team. 
His dad worked at the Tallahassee Democrat for years as a sports editor, and look what he became. And on that game, Nagowski hit a home run. So that got Brady excited. Like, maybe that maybe that could be me. Maybe that could Did be Brady see, Clark. He's like, but see, Dad, he got his dad's genes, and I got yours. Well, I didn't let him know that yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I tease. I say that with nothing but love in my heart, man. Um, I don't know. Brady could make the majors. Baseball, you don't have to be six foot six. I mean, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, the odds are against it, though. Maybe he'll make his high school team, and we'll go from there. That's all we're looking for. That's all we're looking I for. Just, One step at I a just time, guys. This. I, just, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Speaking of uh, speaking of the Pirates, though, I was going to say that you guys, that's that is a big win also because it keeps you ahead of the Orioles, who who are who are really trying hard to catch the Diamondbacks. They're Oof. they're only four games back from the Diamondbacks. Is that how you describe it? Four games back. Four from games the back. You're four games yeah. ahead. You're four games ahead of the dot. But, but yes, you're trying. Yeah, and your goal, you're four games back. Yeah. So we we still got a chance. Is your run differential a robust minus one hundred plus? Yes, it is. I just pulled it up. You're at minus one fourteen because the Pirates have a very respectable minus one hundred and six. Well, it's, and, it was yeah. minus one sixteen until last yeah. night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, we went a long way. <laughs> yeah, we went a long way. You know what's weird? How would you like to be the Miami Marlins at 36 and 47 and be plus 21 in run differential? Yeah. They're getting, they're getting screwed. What's going on here? Bet the over in the second half for the Marlins, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we'll go to the uh, we'll go to the headliner questions when we come back. Stay with us. Seminal headlines will take a breather. More next. 